All right, so first we talked about that you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Everyone remember that? We reviewed that. And we talked about faith is your connection to God and the things of the spirit are things that are unseen. So um, Jonathan Puckett had a great analogy on Sunday morning about faith and what it does, how it pulls those things from God. Your faith is the thing that connects you to God. Um, so if you missed that, then you missed a great analogy. Uh, it is by grace through faith that you have your authority. And then last week we talked about four areas, key areas where the enemy comes to try and affect your authority. Four areas that are with, on our bodies. Everyone remember what they were? They were your eyes, ears, thoughts, words. Thank you, Mama. Mama answered to all of them, so it lets me know the only person listening to me is my mother. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, dear. I know, I know you're listening, babe. I know. It's okay. I was just kidding. So start off with a story. Start off with a story. So some of you guys may have heard this story before, but I think it's just great. It's encouraging. Uh, Fred Craddock is a lecturer at Phillips Theological Seminary in the United States. He tells of a time he was on holiday in Tennessee. He and his wife were having dinner at a restaurant when an old man started talking to them, asking them how they were doing, if they were enjoying their holiday. When the old man turned to Fred and said, uh, asked what he did for a living and saw the chance to get, um, just to tell him, I'm a preacher. He said, a preacher? Oh, man, that's great. Well, let me tell you a story about a preacher. The old man sat down at their table and started to speak. As he did, Fred's annoyance was changed to one of profound humility. Again, he and his wife were just eating, and this old guy just comes up and says, let me tell you something and teach you a thing or two. So he's getting annoyed, but as the story goes on, it changed. Um, the old man explained that he was a child, but he was born, he was born outside of marriage. Um, he was born without knowing who his father was. It was a source of great shame in a small town in the early 20th century. One day... A new preacher came to the local church. The old man explained that as a youngster, he had never gone to church. One day, he decided to go along and hear the new pastor preach. The preacher was good. The illegitimate boy went back again and again. In fact, he started attending just about every week, but his shame went with him. This poor little boy would always arrive late and leave early in order to avoid talking to anyone. But one Sunday, he got so caught up in the sermon, he forgot to leave. Before he knew it, the service was over and aisles were filling. He rushed to get past people and out the door, but as he did, he felt a heavy hand laid upon his shoulder. He turned around to see the preacher, a big, tall man, looking down at him, asking, What's your name, boy? Whose son are you? The little boy died inside. The very thing he wanted to avoid was now here. But before he could say anything, the preacher said, I know who you are. I know who your family is. There's a distinct family resemblance. Why, you're the son. You're the, yeah, you're the son. You're the son of God. The old man sitting at Fred Craddock's table said, you know, mister, those words changed my life. And with that, he got up and left. When the waitress came over, she said to Fred and his wife, do you know who that was? I said, no. Who was it? So that was Ben Hooper. He was the two-time governor of Tennessee. Wow. So we're talking about seated in heavenly places. And we've been talking about your spiritual authority. And I think the biggest thing I want you guys to understand from any of this is that your spiritual authority is so important, not just for your life, but for those you're going to come in contact with. Amen. When you understand who you are and your authority that you have, it's going to change people's lives. I have a very similar story to brag on with my wife. She's a third grade teacher. There's a little boy who 
constantly looks upset and mad at school. And she didn't know I was going to tell the story, so if she turns red, that's why. And just upset and mad, and other teachers have labeled him as a troublemaker. No good, he's going to be upset, he's going to be bad. Watch out for this kid, he's going to do just, he's going to be a problem. So I believe it was in lunch where you came and talked to him. He was sitting over, again, sitting by himself, defeated, dejected, just upset. She went over and talked to him and asked him, hey, what's, what's going on? What's wrong? School is boring. I don't like school. Cannot stand being here. Would rather be anywhere else. So this kid is just opening up to my wife just by asking, hey, what's going on? Kid ends up talking to Olivia for a little bit, and she asks, well, is there someone that you look up to? Is there someone that you think is really awesome that you'd like to be? You know, or what, do, what would you want to be when you grow up? His reply was, nothing. I don't want to do anything. Just don't want to be here. She's like, come on, you got to want to be something, want to do something. Is there an athlete or something you look up to? He said, yes, there's an athlete that he really likes. His name is Odell Beckham Jr. He's this wide receiver for the New York Giants. And if you don't know, there's this thing called YouTube where you can go and look up highlights, and he makes this amazing catch last year that just sent the Internet on fire because the ball was pretty much over his head, and he reached back with three fingers and catches the ball like this, and he's falling into the end zone, scores a touchdown. It's amazing. Everyone goes bananas. I was watching at home, was freaking out, can't believe they did that. They say Some say that's one of the greatest catch in NFL history. The only one that could top that was when this guy named David Tyree made a catch on his helmet in the Super Bowl to defeat the New England Patriots, which always is a good thing for me because I can't stand the Patriots. So I only did that because the Patriots fans is here in the room. We'll pray for her later. Um, but he, so he looked up to this wide receiver, and she said, okay, well, how do you think he got to where he was? Don't you think he had to go to school? to be able to do that? He was like, yeah, he probably did go to school. And he did go to school. Went to college at LSU, I believe. And so she was, again, just telling him that if you want to be Odell Beckham Jr., you can be him. You can be anything that you want to be. Come to find out after, and this was a very short conversation, but he told her the reason he believed that or thought that way is because the only person he had seen close to his life that had happened in his life, that changed his life, that traumatized his life, was that his mom had gone to jail. So here's this kid who the only thing he could look up to with his mother and seeing her being taken away or seeing, knowing that she's in prison at one point of time, and now he has this belief that just like he sees this guy on TV, that he can be that just because my wife decided to reach out and talk to him and tell him, you can be whatever you want to be. You don't have to go to prison. You don't have to be defeated that, you know, that God has a plan for your life. And again, if she doesn't know her authority and her place, there's a kid that may grow up believing the worst things about his life and never, ever believing. And I think his life has changed. I think he's on a path for to do great things. And I think he's going to be one of those athletes that says, yeah, my third grade teacher came and told me that I can be Odell Beckham Jr. And so... That's what I kept doing. I would go in my room and try to do that catch and jump on the bed. He's going to have one of those stories. We have people that are going to have those stories of their lives taking a different path just because in a moment where they are brought in front of us, in a moment where they have a moment of weakness, 
that you're able to say, no, 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 you can do it. You can overcome this. This is not the end for you. This is not what God has planned for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. So just to brag on my wife, but seated in heavenly places, knowing who we are and knowing where our authority lies is going to change the lives of those around us. So if you have your Bibles on your iPhone, your tablet, or the old school way, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Or Ephesians chapter 2, however you want to say it. Again, staying with the, the idea or the theme of your spiritual authority. And when you get there, just let me know that you're there somehow, some way. I see what it is. So if I give you guys the freedom to respond, you'll do whatever you want. But if I say do something, you're like, ah, we do what we want, Roger. Freedom of speech. We don't have to woohoo. But I say do what you want, I get a woohoo. So I've got this figured out on the last week that I'm speaking. Okay, so we're going to chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And I'm going to read from the King James Version, so if you'll follow along. It says, And you has quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, where in time past we walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversations in time past of the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, whereby nature of children wrath even as others. Okay, so this is saying... In the past, this is how the world kind of flowed. We just kind of went with the nature of what felt right in the time and what seemed like a good idea at the time. All those excuses people say, that's kind of the way they went. Everyone say, but God, who is rich in mercy. You can, you can get a, a crowd going when you say, but God, <laughs> but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, has quickened us together with Christ, or brought us together with him, and by grace we are saved. You remember me talking about that in week one, that bazooka grace. I use the analogy of call of duty. If you didn't hear that, it's a great analogy. Change a gamer's life one time. So go and listen to that, bazooka grace. Um, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace we are saved through faith that not of yourselves, but as the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. So we say seated in heavenly places. I think that's one of those Christianese terms that we just quote to people all the time, seated in heavenly places. So what does that mean when it says you are seated in heavenly places? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Or what do you think of? This is a time to respond. So... What do you think of when you say we are seated in heavenly places? Being with Christ, Being with Christ someone said. That was the pastor. <laughs> Being there with Christ. Being there with Christ. Okay. 
So this is why we're having the quip classes, because we're not sure what it means to see it in heavenly places. But that's okay. That is perfectly fine, because this is the whole point of this, is that we don't just start saying things that we've heard this pastor say, we heard on TV, but that we actually know what that means. So seated in heavenly places is exactly what they said, is that, that we are seated in Christ. So when we ask things in Jesus' name, when we pray, we are seated in heavenly places, God does not just hear it from us. There's a scripture goes on to say, and I'll read it later, that we are joint heirs with Christ. And to help understand this issue, uh, I heard a guy say that for Americans, it's going to be hard for us to sometimes understand how things work in God's kingdom because we don't live in a necessarily kingdom. We didn't grow up in the times where there's a king and a queen and there's a prince and then there's this the Knights of the Round Table and all that stuff. Like, we didn't grow up during that time because we have a democracy, and so we vote on a lot of different issues, a lot of different things. So we try to take that and we try to apply that to God's Word and says, I'm going to vote on the things that I want to do. God, I know it says that I'm supposed to love, but I really, you know this person at work, I really can't stand them. And I think that if I kind of just love them from a distance like, pray that nothing bad happens to them, that that's what you've called me to do and that's all I need to do. That we've, called, we've been called to do more than just that. That God, you said I can love them, but I don't have to like them. I don't have to share anything with them. If they need some money, then I'm going to say, oh, I'm sorry, I don't keep cash on me. All I have is my card or things like that when I know I keep cash all the time. So seated in heavenly places. So in a kingdom... How did things operate? Who was the absolute authority in a kingdom? The king. Whatever the king said goes. So if we are joint heirs in Christ and we are sons and daughters of the most high God and he says that you are more than a conqueror and that's what the king says, can anybody dispute what the king says? No. no. If the king made a decree or made a declaration that we, if a king said that we are at war with this country, guess what? Everyone, usually the men and young boys, were going to fight. We were against, you'd be against the country. Another thing, when it comes to a kingdom, the, whoever was the, considered the oldest or the firstborn of the king, usually everything that the king owned belonged to him, correct? So if the king owned number of houses, number of land, number of acres, number of cattle, then anyone who was in, specifically the first owned, but the firstborn, but anyone who was a part of the king's family had access to that same authority. Usually, they walked around differently. You could tell who was the family of the king and who wasn't. Usually, they carried themselves differently. They wore different type of clothes so that you recognized their authority so that you didn't treat them like anyone else. You didn't, treat, you didn't talk with a, a negative attitude to anyone that was a part of the king's family. Why not? Because it could mean trouble for you. If it was reported back, that you were ugly or you were rude to the king's son or the king's daughter, to the king's wife. 
off with his head. Well, we don't live in that time now, but it was a different, different time back then. So saying that, we bring it now to the time that we're in now, and we say that we are all God's children, and God loves us. And God sent his son for us to die so that we could be seated in heavenly places. So if I'm a son of God and Cameron's a son of God, should I treat Cameron like he is a son of the king or should I treat him however I feel like depending on how he makes me feel this day? Treat him like the son of the king. So if one of the pastors gets up and says something and you don't quite agree with it, does that mean that you get to say whatever you want to say to somebody else saying, well, he just don't get it. He never, he never speaks anything that is right. But if he's a son of the king and you're a child of the king, do you speak ill words against each other? Not supposed to, right. We shouldn't. So when, when we talk about seated in heavenly places, realize that, one, that when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later, when you accept him as your Lord and Savior, that your identity belongs somewhere now. It has changed. We talked about that last week, that there was a transformation that happened with your spirit. And other people are coming into that kingdom and unto that transformation as well. So we're seated in heavenly places. Guess what? Things change. You carry yourself a little bit differently than everyone else now. Now, I'm not saying that you look down on people and you say, oh, well, go dust my shoes off or you thou must washeth my car now because I'm a son of the most high God. That's not what I'm talking about. But there's a different way. Like I said, there's a different way that the king's family carried himself, carry themselves. So therefore, there's a different way that we carry ourselves that people will know the difference in the way they talk to you versus they talk to somebody else. So when they come in contact with you, and, and the first thing they want to say is, well, you know, what are we going to do? Our nation is just going down to the pits. There's nothing we can do about it. I don't like any of the candidates on either side running for office, so what, what are we going to do? And they have this Eeyore-type mentality. Everyone knows who Eeyore was. <laughs> oh, pooh, it's raining only on my house and nobody else's. I stepped on a tack. No one else was going to step on it but me, and blah, blah, blah. But guess what? That's what sometimes Christians give off that, that mentality, that mindset. And we wonder why people don't want to come and join us, because we sound like Eeyore sometimes. But if people said, well, you know, I just, I just really don't know what's going on. Well, you know what? Th praise God that he is still on the throne. Thankful that I'm still alive. Guess what? We woke up this morning. Woo! -hoo! We're alive. We have clothes on our back. We have shoes on our feet. Does anybody here wonder where their next meal is going to come from? No. No. No one woke up this morning and didn't say, I have to go kill this bear or I got to go hunt my food today. No. Probably majority of us gave someone some money to prepare the food for us, and all we had to do was eat of it and partake of it, correct? So most of us probably today has paid for some type of food today. We didn't have to worry about that. But again, recognizing 
where your authority is and who you are. You are a child of the Most High God. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is on your side. So when, again, back to being seated in heavenly places. So when you pray and you say in Jesus' name, because of the finished work of him on the cross, God just doesn't just, he doesn't see you coming begging God, you know, I know I prayed about this all the time, but I really need help in my finances. God, I just, I know I keep coming to you. He doesn't see you that way. He sees you coming boldly to the throne. He sees you through the blood of Jesus, through his son who finished everything, who did everything that was asked of him so that, and it says now that he makes intercession for us. So not only does he see you through what Jesus did, he also is hearing Jesus say great things about you. Last week I talked about whenever, if me and Olivia are in a dispute and I go to the one who loves her the most, he's only going to say good things about her. So I can't spend time with God so much being, and stay bad at her because he's only going to say great things about my wife. And vice versa, he's only going to say great things about me. So when you go and you spend time and you pray to the Lord, Jesus is going and he's only saying good things about you. That's why you can say in Jesus' name. That's why, like I said, the analogy of Bazooka Grace that, and I'm going to say it again because we have some new people. So there's this game called Call of Duty, and it's a video game. It's a shooting game. Your object is to shoot the enemy, mainly as other people online. But you're, you have a team of four or a team of six. They have a team of four, a team of six. And when I played against some guys, I got demolished and creamed because I did not play the game that much, and I only had like a pistol and one grenade. I was weak. I didn't have all the cool <laughs> upgrades. But our drummer, Trevor, said, okay, oh, oh, yeah, I forgot, since you don't play that much. Here, you can use my account, you can use my name, and you can have access to all the different things that I've earned and worked hard for. So in a place where, tell him I said hello. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. So in a place... <laughs> In a place where I could not do very much on my own with my own works, I was able to depend on the finished work of Trevor <laughs> and what he did in Call of Duty, so therefore I had access to all of his guns and cool grenades and stuff, and I, that way I didn't cream as much. So now, to our spiritual authority, you are able to use a name that has done all of the work. That's why it's so important when we pray, we say, in Jesus' name. Because that authority, that backing of the one who lived a sinless life, the authority and the backing of the one who did nothing wrong, who knew what he was called to do and knew that he had to go to the cross, but he lived a sinless life, that authority and that backing comes when you say in Jesus' name. And so no longer is it just Roger coming to the, to the throne. It's Roger empowered by the name of Jesus. It's Robert, Roger covered in the blood of Jesus going to the Heavenly Father and saying, Lord, your word says. So not only am I coming being seen as the word made flesh, it was Jesus, but I'm also coming with his word, and God's a man that he shall not lie. So his word, not that he's forgotten, but it reminds him of what I'm standing on. So when your children are sick, you can say, God, your word says that my seed shall be mighty upon the earth. In Jesus' name, I declare healing 
over the body of my child. God, I declare healing over, over their sickness or disease or whatever it is they're standing against. And you do not waver and you do not fake. Guess what? You will see them healed because you are seated in heavenly places. It is not just you anymore. You are in Christ Jesus. Amen? So by faith and through grace in Christ Jesus, we have, we've been seated in heavenly places. And I was praying last night, and God, God gave me this great analogy. And if you want to write this down, it says grace is receiving something you had no business receiving due to something you had no way of accomplishing. I'm going to say that again. Grace is receiving something you had no business receiving due to something you had no way of accomplishing it. There is no amount of work you could have done to ever pay for the sins the way that Jesus did. Again, you go back and listen to one of the first equipped classes when Pastor Corey gave all the prophecies that Jesus had to fulfill, that he did fulfill in Scripture, so that we could be joined back with God and behave the righteousness of him in Christ Jesus. What we read in Ephesians, that Scripture says, so that no man can boast. It wasn't by our works. It's not by the amount of things you do. God does not get mad at you. God does not turn his back on you for a period of time. And I know this starts bringing up questions in our mind, and we start saying, well, well Roger, how come we see this in the world? God, how come we, we see, uh, or how come my friend who goes to church regularly, how come they don't see healing, or how come they're having struggle financially? Well, we don't know all the details of their situation. Sometimes that's the answer. Sometimes we don't know what they're declaring over themselves. We don't know what they're confessing. We don't know what they're believing. You know, people are really, really good at putting up a, a good mask for you to think whatever they want you to think. So there's, there's really not no way of understanding exactly what each person's situation is, but we do know through God's word that God is sovereign, that he is a loving God, but he is a gentleman. You know, when we uh, spoke at the Uprising event, Martin had a great analogy. He talked about that, you know, in the Bible where it says that, um, that God's the vine and we are the branches. And he talked about getting pruned. He said, you know, the gardener comes to get rid of anything excess that's dead weight. You know, when you garden, you get rid of things. You take out the, you get the weeds out of the garden. You get the parts of the tree that are, that, are, that are dying. You prune it so that it can bring forth new life and new fruit, right? But here's the thing about God. He's a gardener, but guess what? He's only going to come into your garden or your life if you allow him to because he is such a gentleman. He is never going to force his word or his love or his blessings into your life. And so someone can be struggling financially, and they can stand there and they can continue to struggle until they allow God's way of doing things to come in. Because, just like we talked about in the kingdom, whatever the king said goes. And God has set up through different ways in the Bible that we see that he set up how his kingdom is going to operate. Jesus said that no man comes to the Father except through who? Him. 
No one can come to the Father except through Jesus. So we've, we've, we've seen that way set up. It talks about how our words are powerful, how he says, if any man confesses and believes and has the faith the size of what? Mustard seed, that he can move mountains, that he shall have whatever he says. When two gather in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So he set up these different things of how stuff is going to work. And our job is to, one, read our manual, our life manual that we've been given, and understand our place in the manual, understand that we are seated in heavenly places and what that means. And so does this mean that I am able to declare this? Does it mean I'm able to say this or, or things like that? Me and my wife, again, we talk about the Bible. So if you don't talk about the Bible with your significant other, you can start or with a family member or someone. And we were talking about the Bible. We were talking about things growing up. And we realized that there were things that on both of our sides that we had either that was spoken over us or that we said in our own lives that began to set up blockades in our lives. And I know I'm jumping a little bit ahead of myself, but I feel like the Lord wanted to say this, that, that we had made some statements that things like, well, I will never do this and this and this. Or I, will, I won't ever let somebody do that to me again. Or I'm never going to trust blah, 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 blah. And what these are, these are declarations. These are things that our, our freedom ministry will go over, and I'm sure they will discuss. But these are declarations that, you've, that people have made over their lives that begin to shape your beliefs. Because, again, what God said, what you say with your heart and believe and do not doubt, you will have what you say. That goes both ways. That goes for God's blessings and the great things. That goes for the negative things in our lives. I will, if you make that question, well, I will never trust a pastor again. Well, guess what? That means that any time a pastor says something into your life or does something to show you God's love or sets up a blessing for you, that there is a way, an area of your heart where you're not receiving that as God's blessing, but you're receiving that as He's doing this because he has an ulterior motive. Whether you say that out loud or not, because you've said, I've, I will never trust, you are creating that avenue to where it can only be received negatively. That was for somebody <laughs> here tonight. I don't know if it was about a pastor. Maybe it was about a family member. Maybe it was about your dad or your mom. But when you declare things that I will never trust that person, you are setting up, again, avenues where it cannot be received as a blessing. Even if you smile and say thank you and you just put on this big grin and you're so thankful in your mind, in your heart, there has been something that's set up by your declaration that it cannot be received. Now, this is not to scare you. <laughs> this is not to freak you out. This is just to say that, uh, tagging off of last week, our words are powerful, guys. You have authority in Christ Jesus. So when you're saying things, make sure that they're lining up with what God says. When you're speaking over people in your life, make sure they line up with what God says. If you're angry at your significant other, still make sure you say things that line up with what God says. Like I told you about Olivia's shoes, she always leaves in the doorway. Doesn't always. See, look at me. I said she always leaves in the doorway. So I've set up the next time I see her shoes, I don't, she always, and then, see, it happens just like that. It's so quick. We do it just like that. 
But what I should declare and when I trip over her shoes, I should say, God, I thank you that she is just such a loving wife. She is so amazing. That you have, that you have, she is a woman of faith and power, and only wisdom comes out of her mouth. Declaring God's word. Amen? Amen. Amen. But, but our faith that we have, because, because of the authority we've been given, because of where we're seated now. So, just like we said, how a kingdom operates, whatever the king says, his word was final. He had absolute power. So we're joint heirs of Christ. That tells us in Romans verse 1 through 17. You can go read that, that we are joint heirs in Christ. Actually, let's go there real quick. Let's go there. We have some time. Turn to Romans real quick. Let me know when you get there. I'm here. I'm there. I'm everywhere. Yes, Romans chapter. Wait, I said 1 through 17, didn't I? But I did not say what chapter it was, did I? One second. Yes, Romans 8. Sorry, 8, 1 through 17. Romans 8. Okay, so Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 17. Again, I'm reading out of the King James Version. There is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit walk after the things of the Spirit. I know there was a lot said, but again, these equipped classes are not supposed to be, there's not condemnation that's, if you're any way receiving or hearing Condemnation, that is not from God. That is not from God. I'm saying that again. Condemnation does not come from God. Amen. Someone pointing their finger at you and telling you that this is what you did and you're so bad and you're never going to amount to anything, that is not the voice of the Lord. And I believe the Freedom Team is going to talk about hearing God's voice in one of their messages. But do not receive that from myself or Pastor Corey or Martin or anybody else that gets up to speak, that we're pointing our finger saying, you're not doing something. Again, this, the point of these are to equip you to realize of the 
things that you have working on your side to be able to go and further God's kingdom. Amen? So there's no condemnation to those who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Again, our flesh wants to do a lot of different things. And I always use that analogy, but when there's someone being mean to you, and Pastor spoke on it Sunday, when someone's being mean to you, your first inclination is not to love them. It's usually to retaliate or respond or get revenge or I'm going to show them. They just wait and see, come around the corner and hear. No, just kidding. But like, so that's not our first inclination. But God says when you walk after the spirit, you're going to mind the things of the spirit. You're going to realize, you know what? I'm seated in the heavenly place in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to respond like they either want me to respond or think I'm going to respond because as we talked about before, the enemy wants to get you out of the place of your victory and your freedom and wants people to, wants to hurt that witness that we have for God's kingdom. So if he can get you to act not like Christ, so then the next time you go to say, well, God has blessed me, they're thinking, yeah, but this is the same dude that cussed the guy out because he put his coffee mug on his table wrong or something like that. Or he cut in front of him in line somewhere. Like, again, the enemy wants to use that to try and hurt the witness that we have. So for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritual minded is life and peace because the carnal mind, our, our, our mind and our flesh is, a, is the enemy against God for it's not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can it be. Here's the law, the law of God. If you want to know what the law of God is, here it is. I'm loved, I'm accepted, and I'm whole. Amen. Law, L-A-W. If you want to know what the law of God is, you are loved, you are accepted, therefore you are whole. That's the law of God. But they that are in the flesh cannot please God. We have to do that through faith and through our spirit. But we are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So if we... In the spirit, God dwells in you. Now, any man has not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Again, these are just our earth suits. This is not the real us. The real us is our spirit. We went over that. Um, but the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, dead dwells in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal bodies by a spirit that dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to flesh, to live after flesh. For if we live after the things of this world, we'll die. But if we, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, we will live. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, that the Spirit bears witness of our spirit, that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we also might be glorified together. And I love verse 18. I'm just going to finish there. For I reckon that the suffering of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And I know that was a lot that was read. And if you have some time, go back and reread and allow the Lord to speak to you. But it's basically saying that there's two ways you can live. You can live according to the spirit and the things of God, or you can continually follow the things of the flesh. Now, as I've discussed before, just because there are things that we do, like watching TV, there's really not any spiritual growth in that. I know sometimes we can watch TBN and watch Christian 
um, television shows, and that's great. But if you binge watch on Netflix and you go through five seasons of a certain show in one day, <coughs> there's really not any spiritual growth there. <laughs> Guess what? That's okay. God is talking about a lifestyle of continually wanting to please your flesh other than live according to his word. So understand that, that when there are things that we do that is not spiritual growth. Understand that. That's fine. But there's a lifestyle that you live where the things of God's word or the things that you know he's telling you to do supersede anything that you feel like you may want to do in your flesh. For instance, when we do work days or things like that, usually your flesh says, I don't want to come and clean up. That's just not, I have to clean up my house. That's enough for me. I don't want to do that. But if God is saying, look, I want you to come on this day, and you have no idea. There may be somebody that's brand new that heard about a work day and just coming because they want to get plugged in to church. We were at the youth home group, and there was a parent that talked to Pastor Kelly and Tracy that said, we've gone all around to several churches, and there are several youth groups, and each time we go, no one comes and talks to us, and they're completely cliquish. We want to go to a, we want our children to be a part of a group that isn't cliquish. Never know where people are at. Never know what they're going through in their head. Never know when they come through the door what they may be doing. They may be coming to, to a work group, but work night or work day simply because they don't want to be at home because when they're home by themselves, they get attacked. And you might be there to be the friend to meet them that encourages them, and then they get plugged in to one of our small groups. They get plugged into a ministry here, and their lives are changed now. Never know how God's going to use you. But you got to know your authority for that purpose. So, but your flesh may say, don't come because you're just tired. And God may say, no, I want you to come because I want you to, to come and minister and work and just be a blessing to the church. Again, it's a lifestyle of the things of the spirit supersede the things of the flesh. And if you continue down the, the path of always pleasing your flesh, is what Paul just wrote, that it's death. It's going to be, and not not say that it's literal death. It may be death to your finances. It may be death to relationships in your life. It may be death to your, your job because you don't care about what you are as a witness. It just leads to negative things in your life when you constantly please your flesh over listening to the voice of the Lord. Amen? Amen. So, so my first point was we are, I have three points. I probably will be finished. We are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That means by faith through grace in Jesus Christ that we are joint heirs. We seat at the right hand of the Father along with Jesus Christ. Amen? And the second point is that above all and everything that we've been talking about is because you are empowered and equipped to do mighty things, mighty works. But the greatest thing, the greatest work you're going to be called to do is to love. It's very simple. The Bible is not that difficult to understand. It's good versus evil. Good wants you to realize, and the Father wants you to realize that he loves you and that he loves other people as well, and he wants you, he wants to work through you to show his love because the goodness of God is what draws men to repentance. 
So it's not anything fancy that we can come up with. It's not this, these three past weeks of me preaching the house down, but it's God's goodness that draws men to repentance. And I was completely being humble in that statement. Um, so, so we're called to love. I love the first time I heard this, I have to give pa- uh, credit to Pastor Chris um, because I've always heard the scripture that when Jesus spoke and he said, these works that you will do and greater works that you do, that and greater than these will you do. And I've always been excited by that scripture because I'm like, you know what? Jesus walked on water. Uh, I'm going to walk on like an ocean. I'm just going to float in the air. Like I'm going to do that to, for God's kingdom and glory, of course. Jesus raised the dead. Raised the dead. I'm going to raise the dead in a graveyard. Like I'm just going to bring back 10 at a time because greater works than these shall you do. But Pastor Chris pointed out something really, really important. He said, you know what Jesus did, though, greater than anybody else he loved? They caught the woman in adultery. What were they ready to do? Get some stones. We got to get her. We got to kill her. And Jesus just said, drawing, he said, he that's out sin, throw the first stone. Completely against what the law said at the time. He loved greater. When he was sitting at the woman at the well, he knew everything that she had done. He loved. Had a traitor sitting at his table eating food with him. Knew what was going to happen. Did he say, okay, we're going to sit at this table. Judas, we got some scraps for you out in the back. We'll put them in a trough. You can eat them like a pig. No. Sat them at the table with him. Loved. So if any of this is ever confused to you, I don't know what Roger was talking about in Joint Heirs of Christ. You are empowered and equipped to love. Love people. Because I don't know if you've realized, but the world is heading darker and getting darker and darker. And people are doing whatever they feel like doing. And what's going to stand out is a group of people or believers that say, okay, I know that's what the lifestyle you're choosing, but guess what? I'm still going to treat you like any human being. I'm still going to love you. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to talk differently to you because you are right now living in the sin of homosexuality. I'm not going to treat you any different because I know that even though you're married, that you have this addiction to pornography or that you spend tons of money on alcohol because you have an alcohol addiction or because you constantly lie all the time. God sees all these as the same. We can't show favoritism towards sins. That's one thing I've seen in Christians or sometimes believers is that there's a favoritism towards different sins in a sense that we'll be accepting of person in this sin, but not of a person in this sin. And if the person in this sin over here is our family member, then we're going to be more accepting and understanding. But if we don't know them, then guess what? They're just wrong, and God might just open up the, the earth and swallow them. We can't have favoritism towards <laughs> sins, guys, and the people in sin. God's called us to love them all. Not agree and participate in their sin, but to love them all. Please understand, that's not what I'm preaching. That Oh, yeah, you just go and do that stuff with them because you're ministering to them. No, that's not what I'm saying. Not saying that at all. But we're called to love them 
where they're at. And I'll finish with this example, and then we're going to take some time to hear from the Lord. Um, it's like this guy told us one time, I whenever we went to the, um, when we were younger, we went to the Arts with a Mission dance camp. And one time all the youth crew, myself, Bradley, Matt, yes, even Matt Draffin participated in dances. It was great to see if you don't know who Matt Draffin is, you just need to meet him and then think about dancing and you'll laugh too. But <laughs> one of our, our group leaders said it's like a number line. And if zero is where you've turned your life and you've got saved, then people on the negative side have not received Christ. And people from zero on have received Christ. And we come in contact with different people along this number line. Some people are are just, you know, they're lost and they don't know anything and they just are going by whatever the things of their flesh. And some people have gone to church all their life and they're 10 on this number line. But he said, if they're on the negative side, our job is not to get them all the way to zero on our own. Maybe your part to play is that they are a negative five and through you showing God's love to them, whatever period of time you come in contact with them, whether it be for a moment or for several years because you work with them, they come from a negative five to a negative three. And that's the part you play. And then somebody else is going to come along, and because you've ministered and you've planted seeds, they're going to bring along the water, and they're going to get from negative three to zero, and they're going to receive Christ. Or maybe someone else is watered, and you've come, and you pour into their lives, and they're at negative one, and they're ready to receive Christ, so you brought them to zero. Or, like we believe with these equipped classes, the majority of us that come here that are saved, but maybe we have a, a two understanding of our understanding of our authority in Christ. So through these classes, maybe from a two, you go to a four. Maybe you have a greater understanding, you go from a four to a five. Or maybe you're at a ten and you go from a ten to eleven. But it's this big number line, and we each have a part to play in other people's lives. So when it comes time for your part, are you going to be who God has called you to be and bring them closer or further along or are we going to be who we want to be at that time, and maybe it pushes them a little bit further away? Are we going to be the believers that give other believers a great name, or are we going to be the believer that makes them think, well, you know what, I always thought Christians were bad, and after coming in contact with Pastor Chris Bauer, I know the Christians are awful. Thank you, Pastor Chris. I gave you encouragement, now and I had to make fun of you at the same time. It's a balance. It's a balance. But what are we going to do with our authority? All right? So everyone close your eyes for just a minute. We're going to finish up. Understand that it is God that is doing the teaching. The Holy Spirit is the one that's doing the teaching. It's the Father that's the one that's doing the ministering. It's only through freedom, and that freedom only comes through Jesus Christ. We have a freedom ministry. They are great, and they have a lot of tools to use, but your freedom is going to come, again, when you allow the gardener to come in and you accept what it is that he has for your life. So when I talk about your authority and everyone's eyes closed, there are areas that are coming up in your mind right now that maybe you don't walk in the authority that Jesus bought and paid for you.
And one, te- one thing that Freedom Ministry does is they say, imagine you are with Jesus right now. Whether he's sitting in front of you in a chair, you're on the beach somewhere with him, you're on a boat, on a plane, whatever is your place you love to be, imagine yourself with Jesus right now. And just ask him, is there any area that I'm not walking in my full authority? God, what area is it that I don't exercise or walk in the full authority that you bought and paid for me to have? He may bring you back to a moment of a past situation when you were younger, a past lie that you believed, like we talked about declarations that we've made in the past. So you've asked him, how come I don't walk in authority in this area? The next thing that I want you to ask him is, so how do I change that? How do I become free in that area? He may show you a picture or something. He may tell you that there's something specifically you had to do. There was one time in my life he told me that I had to go and ask for forgiveness for someone because I was holding on to something that turned into bitterness and anger in my life. All right, you guys can all open your eyes. Did anybody, man, everyone just wants to be a part of this equip class that's going on. Just phone ringing and off the hook and I got flies fly around that I never see until I get up here that want to be a part of it and everything. So just real quick, everyone, anyone raise your hand if you heard something from the Lord saw a picture of something, received something. You don't have to raise your hand if you didn't, but if you received something from God during that time, raise your hand. Okay, that's good. If you didn't, guess what, guys? That's fine. Like I said, equipping doesn't stop when we finish here. It doesn't stop whenever we finish the equipping classes. But that's just one way that you can spend time with the Lord. And the biggest thing is, again, like I was saying, freedom comes through Jesus Christ. The, ministry, the freedom ministry team can do, walk you through different exercises, can walk you through a lot of different things, but until you're ready to receive the freedom from God, you probably won't receive freedom from God if you're not ready to receive it. But what these equipping classes and everything is supposed to do is get you to a place where you are ready to receive it. Again, it's like that number line. Maybe you weren't ready to receive anything. Maybe your life is good right now, and you're like, I'm just flowing and going with the Lord right now, and everything is great. That's awesome. Just remember, your spiritual authority is you've been empowered and equipped with your spiritual authority in order to help change people's lives and to show everyone God's love. Amen? Amen. So I hope you have received something in the past couple weeks. I've enjoyed it. I've gotten a lot. God's been ministering to me a lot as well as I spent time studying. So do not stop coming. Like I said, you'll have the freedom ministry that's going to speak. Each week there'll be, there may be somebody different from the freedom team that's going to be sharing, but do not turn off and shut down because, you know, 
Roger stopped speaking. He's my favorite preacher of all time. And so now I really don't want to hear from anything else. Like, I don't want, I know that may be some of your thoughts right now. I don't want that to stop you from receiving God's freedom. Amen. So let's, let's just go ahead and pray and then we'll be dismissed. Unless the pastors have anything else to say after that. Father, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord, that we are seated with you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, Lord. God, I thank you for the life that you lived for us so that we can walk in that authority, God. And right now, I just declare that over each person here tonight, Father, that whatever situation there is that they're going through, whatever it is that is facing them right now, I thank you, Lord, that they have the authority to overcome it in Jesus' name. God, that you have not called us to be just average. You have not called us to just slide by or just get by by the skin of our teeth, Father, but you have called us to be victorious in Jesus' name. Lord, that your word says that we more than overcome every obstacle that we face because of the victory that was bought and paid for in Christ Jesus. So God, I thank you for beginning to move in every person's area right now, whatever it is, whether it be relationally, financially, Father God, physically or spiritually, I thank you, God, that you are moving for your plan and for your goodness to show through in their lives, Father, so that you can receive all the glory and all the praise because you are worthy of it, Father. And our lives will shine forth your goodness, that our lives will declare the good works of the Lord, Father God, that people can see us and just from coming in contact with us or speaking to us or seeing us from afar, they know that there is something different about us, that there's something different than the way that we approach life. It's because we have you, Father. It's because we have you working through us and we know who our Father is. We know that we are seated in the heavenly places and we know that we are children of the Most High. We are children of the King. So we thank you for that. We love you and we praise you, Lord. I pray that as each person goes out, they are more blessed than when they left. And I thank you for beginning to speak and minister to the hearts and minds of your children today. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Amen.